The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. That's Eddie Pascal from our digital team, all his great podcasts, and we'll have Jason Horowitz joining us, the voice of the Raiders again. And Eddie, we have to uh, talk about the Buffalo loss. I've been talking about it on radio. You've been covering it on the podcast, 38-10 to 10 in Buffalo. Other than the first drive, it was rough sledding for the Silver and Black. Yeah, and I think for me, JT, when I went back and I watched the game yesterday, it, it comes back to, it was a game of pressure, and the big literally from the first play of the game were able to get pressure effectively consistently on the Raiders and unfortunately Silver and Black just weren't able to do that for Josh Allen he starts 13 of 13 and really feels like he had all the time in the world back there so I you know I don't want to minimize it to something as, as black and white as that but the Raiders weren't able to generate pressure and the Bills were. I was surprised as we sat here last week that the Raiders played so poorly I didn't think they would they went back to West Virginia for a week they set their body clock they got out to a 7 nothing lead it was 5 plays They only ended up with 39 plays in less than 20 minutes. So they got beat badly when it came to the time of possession. And that's the key to this team. They got to get off the field on third down and they got to sustain drives. And Josh Jacobs had negative two yards. So the offensive line and Josh Jacobs clearly are not on the same page, but tip your cap to Buffalo. As Coach McDaniel said, that's one of the best fronts in football. Yeah, and I think we also just kind of have to look at this with a, with a dose of reality, yeah. right? Where the Bills are a team that coming into the season, a lot of folks, myself included, thought we're going to contend for a Super Bowl. Now, they still very well might do that, and, and you just have to kind of tip your hat to them, like Coach said. You have to understand the talent they have, the way that they're coached. This is a really, really good yeah, football good. team. An emotional game for them, a home opener after uh, week one not going their way. So if you wanted to build up all the things that we're going against the silver and black headed into Sunday. There's no shortage of things. Well, we're looking at Devontae's touchdown. If you're watching us on YouTube, if you're listening to us, Jimmy looked great on that opening drive. The five plays there to find Devontae. And I thought there was going to be more of that than the interception on the tip ball on second and eight. And that was one that Jimmy would like to get back. It turned the field over for Buffalo and it started an avalanche of momentum for the Bills. This was going to be a game that I thought, Eddie, you had to shorten it by running the ball, which they couldn't do. And if you had to get into a shootout, you had to embrace the shootout. Neither worked because the Raiders could not stop the momentum of the Buffalo Bills once it got going. Yeah, and I think now as we head into year two with, with Coach McDaniels, it feels like we have a good idea of what the formula is that he wants to, to employ week after week. He wants to control the line of scrimmage. He wants to be able to get that running game going, whether it's Josh, Samir, Amir, whoever it yeah. is. Uh, and then really let the quarterback, in this case Jimmy, kind of work off of that, take his shots when the defense gives him the opportunities to do that. And like you said, the Raiders just simply weren't able to do that. We look at the first play from scrimmage, JT. Ed Oliver is in the back of the yeah. Raiders. You know, he's three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage and making life difficult for them. So really, we saw it from the first play. And, and yes, he said that first drive was incredible. But uh, I think that first play was a precursor for what was to come, unfortunately. Yeah, it was showing passes completed to Devontae. You know, Devontae catching balls where he's double teamed and there's players and there's a safety over the top. But it, we're at a point now through two games where there are so many players that aren't involved in the offense, it's getting alarming to me how they can go an entire game and Renfro only got a ball late. Michael Mayer had his first catch. Jacoby was out. The loss of Jacoby was really big because he had such a big game in Denver. And I think that brought all the attention over to Devontae. And Devontae can handle the double team. But more players need to get involved. I said it and I'll say it again on Raiders Roundtable. The strength of this team 
is their offense. It's not the defense now. Maybe it will be. After week six or seven, Patrick Graham, they figure this out. But the strength of the team is the offense. The offense has got to be ready to play every game. And we're going to get into the Steelers. We were talking off the air about it the first quarter of the Steelers game. This offense has got to come out explosive. They scored in Denver and opened up and got it done. They scored in Buffalo. Once they score, they need to gain momentum and stick with it the entire game. Yeah, I think for me, JT, the, when you come out of two games now, my, my big question about the offense, and look, I'm a believer in Josh Jacobs. I'm a believer yeah. that this offensive line is going to figure it out. I don't think that the Raiders are going to be this one-dimensional throughout the entire season. But for me, I look at this offense and I look at the weapons and I say, well, who are the complementary pieces? Devonta, if you're a Raiders fan, you have to feel good about the relationship that Jimmy and Devonta have built through two weeks. Yeah. Jimmy is giving Devonta his chances to be Devonta. And you and I have talked this so many times over the last year in particular you want to see the quarterback give him chances to go be great. This is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Let him go do his thing. But outside of Devontae, if defenses can find a way to take him away, who steps up? Now, I think it's important to note we had no Jacoby last week, mm-hmm. but who fills that void? Is it a Michael Mayer? Is it a Hunter Renfro, who we haven't seen a lot of through two weeks? Is it an Austin Hooper, who we saw glimpses of? Who's that guy that is going to take a little pressure off of Jimmy, that's going to take a little pressure off Devontae and say, hey, when, when the lights are bright and we need the ball to go to someone, I'm going to be there. One of the things I like is Josh Jacobs catching the ball this yeah. year. I've always said yes. that Josh is a big weapon. He was great at Alabama at it, catching the ball, the wheel route, getting in the end zone more. He hasn't gotten the end zone, but he's the type of guy that can catch a ball if Jimmy wants to check down. Let's go back to Jimmy G in San Francisco with Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Kittle, and McCaffrey. Okay, those what that's what he had there. Here he's got Devontae, Josh Jacobs. Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, and Michael Mayer. Mm -hmm. It's not far off from what he had in San Francisco. A lot of people are saying Jimmy's got the best weapons he ever had in his career, including New England. So others got to get involved here. Feed Devontae all you want, but Renfro's got to get going. Mayer's got to get going. And I think the physicality in this game is what concerned me. On the offensive line, there weren't holes for Josh to run through. A lot of our audience in the Great Raider Nation is trying to figure out, are there holes not opening? Or is Josh not hitting the holes? I don't know. I, I haven't broken down every single play. But from what I see, Josh is getting the ball, and there is a onslaught already in the backfield. I mean, how many times was he taken down for a loss? The holes aren't there, so he's getting buried behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, much like all things in left JT, I'm sure it's a combination of both a little bit, right? You know, this is Josh still trying to, I don't want to say get in shape, but get back to football shape, you know, yeah. kind of relearn that chemistry of the offensive line. But there was a moment when I was rewatching the game yesterday, it was mm-hmm. late in the third quarter, and they hand the ball off to Josh, and, and I was talking with some of the production guys about it, where I paused I paused the the, uh, the screen as soon as Josh had the ball. There were four Buffalo Bills yeah. behind the line of scrimmage. Good point. Four Buffalo Bills behind the line of scrimmage. I don't care if you're Josh Jacobs, Walter Payton, whoever you are, you are not going to be able to cook when you have four guys in your face 12 feet behind where the ball is snapped. It's yeah. just it's not a recipe for success. The only guy I saw, and I saw it, was Barry Sanders. I, I, the I was, only guy who was able to do a spin move and come out of that. Now, we're seeing the Devontae hit here at the end of the game. And a lot of fans are saying, was that necessary to throw with the game out of reach? Devontae plays every play like it's last. So th- give me a break on that. Devontae's in the game. Competitor. And Josh McDaniel said earlier in the week on his press conference that he's okay, which is good because Jacoby is going through protocol. Devontae's going to be fine here. So I'm excited about that because we need him for the Pittsburgh game. Taking a look at the stats, Eddie, what jumps out at me was the rushing yards, 183 for the Bills. That can't happen. Passing yards, 267. They ran 74 plays. The Raiders ran 39. 
Uh, the Raiders didn't have the ball. 40 minutes of time of possession for the Buffalo Bills. It's everything that we hope doesn't happen again. We hope that they don't get pushed around, that they don't get outplayed on both sides of the ball. Time of possession isn't skewed this way, and there's more balance with the Raiders. I mean, you really look at what the Bills did. It, it feels like kind of out of the Raiders' playbook, where we look at that first drive in the, in the second half, and a, a close game still at that point. They milk nine-plus minutes off of the time of yeah. possession. And by the time Jimmy and the offense gets the ball back, you're now looking up. There's four and a half minutes left in the third quarter, and now the lead is ballooning, ballooning, ballooning. Takes you out of what you want to do. Doesn't allow you to stick to kind of your offensive fundamentals. And unfortunately, you see what happens at 28-point defeat. The other big problem here, and it's a problem, is the defensive tackles and the interior of this defensive line. And Dave Ziegler put a lot of time into this. We've talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. You've talked about it on your podcast. This is a big deal. They went out and drafted Byron Young. They got veterans like Bilal Nichols and Jenkins and players that are coming in. Nestor Jade Silvera hasn't played yet. I think he deserves an opportunity now compared to the way they're playing here. Eddie, there's a rotation in play. If they're not, if they're not just good enough to play – Get them off the field and get other guys in there and put a rotation in and see who can get hot because Max Crosby's not getting a lot of help. He was doubled often in Buffalo, which is going to take time for Tyree Wilson to play well. And Malcolm Koontz didn't show up in this last game to, to what I saw. So this edge rush and the interior defensive line better get going quickly here. I mean, we talk about complementary pieces on the offensive side with Devontae. Who's going to be that guy on the right. defensive side of the ball to help Max? I mean, to your point, Max, two guys, three guys, all eyes on him. The Bills essentially said, hey, if you beat us today on the defensive side of the football, it's not going to be 98 that's going to do it. We're going to give you 10 other guys. Whoever you want, but it's not going to be 98. And I think that provides a good learning opportunity. Coach talked about it during his presser yesterday mm-hmm. for these other guys to kind of realize what reality is going to be like for them. Hey, if they're if the opposing team is going to do everything they can to scheme Max out of this game, I need you, Malcolm Coons. I need you, Jerry Tillery. I need you, Tyree. You guys are the ones that are going to have to shoulder the burden of this and really elevate your play. So Max is not a one-man band out there. Let me tell you my biggest takeaway as we sit here. My biggest takeaway was Josh McDaniel's press conference after the loss in Buffalo. And what he said on Monday. He was not happy. Okay? He was not happy. You could see. I love it, by the way. I like when coaches are like this. His body language, he wasn't happy. And Eric Allen looked at me on press conference live and said, these players got a rough week in front of them. I think they're going to be coached as hard. And they're always coached well. This is a hell of a coaching staff with a lot of experience and a lot of winning games from wherever they came from. These players are going to be told what they need to do for this Pittsburgh game, and they are going to be coached as hard as they can. Now, is that in pads? Is that nine on seven, like Eric Allen said? Either way, it's going to be hard because the only way you're going to be able to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers is with physical play. And I haven't seen physical play in that last Buffalo game. I saw it in Denver. Mm -hmm. I saw it in Denver holding Russell Wilson at three points and the defense getting off the field. It disappeared in Buffalo. they got to get it back in practice this week, Eddie. And I think that's kind of a microcosm of a lot of our questions surrounding the 2023 Las Vegas Raiders, right? Because we saw it a year ago as well. We saw these bits and spurts of, okay, this is what it could be for a half, for a series, for a game. But can you see it week after week after week? And, and I'm not here to you know press the panic button or anything. No. You know the Raiders are one and one. If you Absolutely. had told me at the start of the year that I'll hey we're gonna it. we're gonna be sitting at one and one with the home opener coming up, I would have taken it. But can the Raiders do it consistently now, JT? Yeah, week one was great. Week one was a long time ago now. So <laughs> how can you build? How can you you know uh, you know build the foundation of this house week after week after week and build something sustainable for the entirety of the season? That's the big question at this point. Absolutely, I agree with you. Coming up next, the voice of the Raiders joins us. Jason Horowitz as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. 
We're back on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union, along with Eddie Pascal. I'm JT. And once again, we welcome in the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz. And Jason, disappointing loss up there in Buffalo, especially after the first drive. So let's start with the positive of that first drive and how smooth it was that Jimmy G and Devontae got off to a good start. Oh, it was great. I, <laughs> I'll let you in a little bit of a secret, you guys. Not only was after the first drive where you get a Trey Tucker's 34-yard end around and then two great passes to Devontae Adams, um, after the three and out against Josh Allen and, and the defense looked awesome, I said to Lincoln during the break, Super Bowl, let's go! <laughs> uh, you know, and, and we were having some fun in the booth, but like, you know, hey, they stayed in West Virginia. The plan was in place. You could clearly tell, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And the defense looked fast. And then as soon as that tipped interception on the screen pass happened, uh, the wheels fell apart. But you're right. That first drive was smooth. There was a third down conversion. You had an explosive play. You had great blocking by Colton Miller on the wide receiver screen that set Devontae to the end zone. Um, so it was a lot of positives on those first two drives. Unfortunately, it didn't carry over. You know, Jason, JT and I were talking about when you look at this game in totality, it was, it was a game of pressure, right? The Bills were able to consistently generate pressure, and the Raiders, they simply were not able to do that. Yeah. When we look at the Raiders' defense now, it, it, you know, I know we're only two weeks in, but it still feels like max plus question mark. When you look at this defense, especially what we saw over those, I get everything excluding that first series on, on Sunday, where do they need to improve? What needs to get better? Who do we need to see more from as we get ready uh, to dive into week three in the home opener here? I mean, this feels like I'm skirting the question, Eddie, but it feels like the answer is everyone, right? Like I, and, and, and I know you say it's only two weeks in, but the reality is this is a continuation of a, you know, kind of a two-year, three-year thing, and maybe longer, depending on where you want to go. But, like, you'll, 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 I say you make it a continuation of last year because last year was the first year for Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham and, and this group. So maybe it just feels like the continuation of last year. Um but it's not a different storyline than what we were talking about with the defense last year. You know, the, the, in, the inconsistent ability to get pressure uh, on the quarterback is, is a problem. And, and this is not one that they're not aware of. They all know it. They all see it. Uh, it's just a matter of can they make it happen. And I think it's easy to point to Tyree Wilson. He's the number seven overall pick. He's the guy that's got the ridiculous size and length and all the other things that they bring him in for as a first-round pick to be opposite Max and be bookends for the, you know, a long time to come. But, you know, he didn't get on the field. I think the date was August 16th when he came off the NFI list. So we're, we're not, we're only a month into his NFL career actually being on a football field in an NFL uniform. So, you know, hopefully that comes sooner rather than later. Uh, but it's not just him, guys. I mean, we all know this. I think the NFL is changing, JT, and you've covered this at least 30 years, um, almost as much as Eddie and I are total age. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> You know, it used to be, hey, do you have the bookend and the guys on the edge? Now it's how much pressure do you get up the middle? Aaron Donald and and, and, and um, Chris Jones and, and, and all of those guys, and they're kind of changing the league and how it's kind of viewed for getting pressure up the middle. Javon Hargrave last year for the Eagles, too, now with the Niners. And so that kind of is something they're going to have to figure out. I care about pursuit, mm-hmm. and I care about aggressive play, tackling skills, violence on defense. This organization has been built on violent football players from Jack Tatum, George Atkinson, Matt Millen, who you've worked with. 
even when they brought in players like Warren Sapp and Richard Seymour, those are Hall of Famers. So I'm not asking everybody to play at a Hall of Fame level. What I'm asking to see is pursuit and not getting blown up at the line of scrimmage. Now I think the pressure becomes, Jason, a pressure on the interior, whoever the tackles are in the rotation, and the ability for the linebackers to clean it up if those guys can't make a play at the line of scrimmage. And we saw that in Buffalo. We just showed some B-roll of the running game for the Buffalo Bills, and they're pounding it up the middle. So that's a good Buffalo Bill offensive line. It's not as good as the Jim Kelly in the Super Bowl years. So if they're winning that battle, Divine Diablo, Masterson, whoever it is, has got to come in and fill quickly because it's a running play. It's not a passing play. And a lot of times it wasn't play action. You saw it was a handoff, and it was up the middle. And, and guys got to get to the ball quicker and make violent hits. We're going to get to the Steelers in a little bit. That's how the Steelers played against the Cleveland Browns. We saw an ugly hit. We saw violence in that game. Do you yep. see the pursuit from the booth? Do you see the energy from this Raiders defense? Uh, I, I think I saw it very differently against Denver than against Buffalo. Okay. You know, we, we only have two games out of, out of 17 to go off of here, but they couldn't have been different. You know, not not only not only, and I mean that in every way. Not only a win and a loss, uh, and 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 not only statistically, but you know, you had one game where you had a few possessions, and then the other game where you had ridiculously long, can't get off the field, dink and dunk, and Josh Allen's just picking you apart. But you're also, you know, six, five, six, seven yards on first down would seem like every first down. And, and it was drastically different. I think with Denver, you saw a lot of plays around the line of scrimmage. Yes, Russell Wilson, for a good portion of the game, um, completed passes and had some third down success. But you made them go long on third down. That didn't happen with Buffalo. You know, I don't know how many, I don't know what the number was, but third and one, fourth and one, third and two, fourth and two, third. Like, and, and Buffalo knew that they were going to get it, with the exception of the one at the goal line um, where uh, Hobbs and I think Trayvon Merrick knocked it out of yeah. Boston, knocked his hand. So, like, I, I, I just it, – it, it was bad all around. And, I, and you know, there's nothing to sugarcoat that, and there's no one in the organization who thinks that it was, it was successful. So, I, you bring up Pittsburgh, JT. I, I think it's interesting that you said that Pittsburgh was doing that against Cleveland. They were. But before Nick Chubb got hurt, um, was running the ball with Nick Chubb at a very high mm-hmm. clip. You know, five, six, seven, eight yards of carry. And, I, you know, who knows what would have happened after that. And it's a, it was a devastating injury. Yeah. And I'm glad that they didn't show the replay um, for anyone who saw it, you know, social media. But Cleveland was doing that to Pittsburgh, too. And so this is something that the Raiders are going to have to try and do Sunday night. You know, and, and Jason, when we look at the game, and, and to me, you know, just to my untrained eye, right, when you look back, it didn't seem like we had many of those crazy, incredible, super freak athletic moments from a Josh Allen. He really just took what the defense yeah, gave him. I mean, we look at the stats, and he only threw the, uh, threw the ball 20-plus yards once. I mean, he's one of one on that completion, so good for him. But, I mean, all the same. I mean, he lived in Dinkin and Duncan. And, and yeah. you know, credit to that entire offense for, you know, again, taking what the defense gave them. But I, I wonder how much you can remedy that now going into a week where you, you can look back and say, hey, you know, there's there's a certain level of, hey, Josh Allen's going to be Josh Allen and he's going to have these, you know, the arm talent is out of this world and he's going to have his moments, right? But that's not what beat us. The, those big moments didn't beat us. It was kind of death by, a, you know, by, yeah. death by paperclip a little bit or paper cut a little bit bit so Jason when you go into week three now do you see a lot of these issues that the Raiders had week two uh, as correctable things that can get better uh, going against Kenny Pickett I I'd like to say yes 
And and I think the answer is yes. And I think we all better hope that it's yes. Um, but guys, it's not just Josh Allen that dinked and dunked the Raiders down the sure. field. I don't know if you've seen the statistics. Um, through two games, the Raiders are allowing 81.7% completion to opposing quarterbacks. That is the highest percentage completion through two weeks in NFL history. Yeah. History. Um, which, you know, goes to, you know, Russell Wilson completion percentage, Josh Allen completion percentage. And and you just pointed out the one play of 20 yards down the field. That was true against Russell Wilson in Denver too. Like there are, there have not been those massive explosive plays that cost the Raiders a lot of games last year. We haven't given those up yet. Um, mm-hmm. Get off the field. You know, you cannot have a game where you have 39 plays and they have 75. There's no way to win those games ever. So they're going to have to, whether it's through blitzing, which the Raiders have traditionally not done yet the last couple of years with Patrick Graham and not a ton of this year, um, or, you know, different coverage disguises, whatever that's going to be, it has to change. Because Kenny Pickett is struggling, guys. I, I didn't get a chance to watch a ton of the San Francisco game. Um, you know, we were in the booth, but I watched all of last night. Very, very good. And, and, and their offensive line didn't look okay, but it looked great. Their offense is struggling. And it's the home opener, and it's Sunday night, and it's a Raiders defense that knows that it has to play better. And they better come out and show it in the first couple of series. I agree with you. We just showed one of these stats here that on short passes in Buffalo, up to nine yards, uh, Josh Allen was 18 of 19. Okay, now that's not a problem. You can catch a short pass. Anybody can catch a two-yard pass. Sure. This is what I say about Hunter Renfro. You want to get Renfro going, look at these stats. 18 of 19 yeah. in short passing, which I believe is, again, the strength of the Raiders. They got 137 yards. So they didn't get 137 yards because they completed two-yard, three-yard passes. They did it because those guys were wide open in space and then ran for 14, yeah. 15 yards. So as I move to Hunter Renfro, which we're going to get to, this is how you get Hunter Renfro involved. You give him yeah. eight or nine plays of three to five yards, and then he makes a couple of guys miss. They knew they could do that against the Raiders. What I'm concerned sure. about is we are back to square one. And I didn't think we would be. And I'm, I'm very positive and, and I'm, I'm enthusiastic that one game can change everything for the Raiders. They can go to 2-1, and one, stay in first place in the AFC West, have a game like they had against Denver where they only give up three points in the second half, tackle better, be more aggressive. I think that's going to happen because these coaches are going to demand it. But, wow, the short passing game is killing the Raiders because they're not tackling, Jason, after the short pass. Now, I'm going to move on here to the Raiders receivers versus the first two games this season. Devontae's got 17 targets. Jacoby, 10. He missed one game. And then the drop-off is alarming. Trey Tucker, 1. Renfro, 1. And DeAndre Carter, who made this team for special teams. That's it. And... They took the foot out of football. There's not a lot of kickoffs that you're going to take back because they're going to go out of the end zone there. Jason, how do you see this changing here with more tar- targets to other receivers? Well, he did almost – you know, he had the one kickoff return, and he almost squeezed it through. I think he got out past yeah, he 30, uh, and it's the only – and he almost squeezed that to go deep. So, so he is someone that hopefully um, is able to change a game on special teams this year. Um you know, the Jacoby Myers part of all of this is interesting. I, I, you know, who knows what would have happened. You lose by four touchdowns. Um, you're like, well, you get blown out. But the tip ball and the screen pass, and, you know, if, if Jacoby doesn't have a concussion and healthy, who knows what happens. 
uh, because he's a good receiver in this league and a former number one receiver yeah, in this league with the absolutely. Patriots. So, so, so that changes things a little bit. Um, so they have to figure out a way. And I really think this was a problem in week one last year. If you guys remember week one, week two last year, the Chargers game, you know, it was Devontae Adams had more targets by himself than the rest of the Raiders players combined. And that was a that was a thing we talked about after week one last year. Hey, how do we get everybody else the football? And and I think they spread it around enough in week one at Denver because mm-hmm. it was a mixture of Devontae and Jacoby Myers. And so you had that mixture plus some screens to Josh Jacobs and things that it felt like there was enough. But no Jacoby, it, it didn't feel that way in Buffalo. And, you know, blah, everything feels so much worse. I you know, the emphasis on getting Hunter Renfro the ball, I know I've seen video the last couple of days on plays where he's wide open and, and, and it's, you know, you just don't know if he's the first or second read or maybe he's even the third or fourth read on those plays. Josh or uh, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't get a chance to get there once the pressure comes. So I don't know the answer to that, but I'm with you, JT. You know, the running game hasn't been able to get going. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that the Raiders offense was successful last year, inconsistent, yes, but successful throughout the course of the season was because first down runs netted second and four, second and five. And so far this year, first down runs have netted second and eight, second and nine, second and ten or worse. And so if that is going to continue, then first downs have to be first down passes to get five or six yards. Yeah. And that's got to happen. Uh, and I think they got to come out and try and do that early. You know, and JT and I were talking about this earlier, Jason, where – you know, you look at, at the run game and you look at Josh and, and the cohesion with the offensive line. And, and sure, is there something to be said that, hey, Josh wasn't here for the duration of the offseason program. And, hey, he's still kind of learning, uh, you know, the different, the different dance, if you will, the big fellows up front. But all the same, you've got to get this run game cooking. And, and I think through a year and two games now, we kind of have a formula for what Coach McDaniels wants to do. He wants to control the line of scrimmage. He wants to be able to let Jimmy cook off of that. He wants to get the tight ends involved, have some of those short to intermediate routes, those Hunter Renfro routes yeah. that you and I I both want to see so badly. But Jason, when you take away the run game completely, which is what the Bills did on Sunday, they took it away completely. It really puts your offense as a whole in a tough spot. And we saw it is just not a sustainable way to not only play winning football, but really play a competitive four quarters of football. Guys, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm going to assume that every defense is going to try and make the Raiders the Jimmy Garoppolo throwing team. And I, and, and, and I think, that, that maybe seems obvious because you do have a team that was so good running the football last year. Um, but, but I think, and, and as good as Jimmy Garoppolo has been better than people give him credit for in his career, um, in pressure situations in the red zone and things like that. I don't know that defenses around the NFL um, think that he can beat them in a one dimensional game. I'm sure there are defenses that fear some of the quarterbacks in the NFL that can beat them in where they have to just pass the football. Um, I think Minnesota's having to do that right now with Kirk Cousins because they can't run the football. And, and he has shown at times in the NFL that he can do that, um, although they are 0-2. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how defenses feel about um, their chances with it's just Jimmy Garoppolo having to throw 40 times. And, I, I, again, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I, I also find it interesting with, with uh, what was successful in Denver, and they didn't have any big runs. But the runs that did work were toss plays, plays to the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting because Colton Miller, uh, until last year, was thought of as a great passing left tackle, but his run blocking needed to improve. 
And last year, his run blocking grades were extraordinary. And so I wonder if maybe this isn't like your full on speed back, but I wonder if maybe you see a little bit more of that um, mm. over the course of the, this Pittsburgh game and then go into the Chargers and things like that. I wonder if that's a, a rule. I don't know. Yeah, the silver lining in this is Josh in the last two seasons. The rushing stats are very similar. 2022, week one and two, he had 64, then 80. And then this year, 61 and 55. And everybody's alarmed. He went out to win the rush. Yeah, it worked out all right for him. It worked out fine, and they figured it out. But the issue with me becomes this I'm a big believer. JC, I would say this, though. He didn't have a lot of yards last year. But he was like 4.85 yeah. yards that carries the first two games. And so that's the difference. That I think is, that's the big difference. Yeah, yeah, that is. But I'm one of the believers that believes that Josh McDaniels is one of the greatest play callers of all time. Fact, not fiction. His safe has six Super Bowl rings. Okay, so for those who say yeah. Brady, oh, we had Randy Moss. Okay, we don't take away Lawrence Taylor from Bill Parcells and Staubach away from Coach Landry. And we don't take Mahomes away from Andy Reid. So when you look at the life of Josh McDaniels and all the extra games he coached, all the extra games he schemed, AFC championships, Super Bowls, he's seen it all. A matter of fact, he's seen Super Bowl talent on the other side. Okay, so he went up against Buffalo. The team just couldn't get it going. Now he's got Pittsburgh as we move on. Anything you throw at Josh McDaniels, everything he's seen a thousand times before. So if they're taking away the run game, go four wide. You saw the jet sweep to Trey Tucker. Fantastic. Devontae, go to Devontae too much. Hunter's going to get going in this game. But it's time to develop this tight end. Michael Mayer has to have a wake-up call in this game. I've seen him run the routes. I looked at the tape of him in college. He can do it. If if the confidence level isn't there because they're young players, fair. They're, They're not there. They're not there they got to be there this week. Everybody has got to look around this organization in these hallways with all these Lombardis and great players and say, this is the Steelers. This is the greatest rivalry out of the division in Raider history, bar none. And everybody's got to play a great game. So I think Josh McDaniels is going to call a great game. Now, Jason, it could be very complex because T.J. Watt's on the outside and – you know, you can't run towards him. You can't run plays yeah. towards him. But they've got to be physical, and Josh McDaniels has to have a big game calling this game. Do you agree? So, well, two things. One, if anyone ever doubted Josh McDaniels just because of Tom Brady, you could go to the one year that he was the offensive coordinator with Mac Jones. You look, I think they were six in the NFL yeah. points per game. And then you look at what the Patriots have been since Josh McDaniels came to the Raiders and Mac Jones. And so there is a – I think there's – credence to what you just said there, how great of a play caller he is. And other players around the league, especially and even they come to the Raiders, have talked about how creative and how good of a play caller he is. And I would also add, even all of the games last year where the Raiders blew those double-digit leads, the scripted part, the first half, Raiders had great offense. Yeah, they did. Games, the scripted which stuff. means they go in with these great plans and they come up and they take advantage of what they... Now, schematically, adjustments, things like that, you know, I don't know. But for Cavs in some of those games, there was a lot of great play call, and they mm-hmm. took advantage of what the other defense was or was not doing. So so I'm with you on that. With regards to T.J. Watt, dude's not even 29 years old yet, and he's already the Steelers' all-time leader in sacks. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the problem. They now have another up-and-comer at T.J. Watt in Alex Highsmith. Um, you know, at Highsmith, they paid uh, – in in the offseason, what was it, $70 million, they gave him a four-year contract because they knew what he is about to become. 
And so he had, I don't know, 14 sacks last year, 14 and a half sacks last year. And last night he has the sack, strip sack that T.J. Watt returns for a touchdown, right? And, and that's the game winner. He wow. had an interception for a touchdown, right? So that's now you don't only have T.J. Watt who, who recovered the touchdown and took it in. Now you've got number 56 for Pittsburgh who on the screen you're watching to take the tip drill and take it back for a touchdown, and you got to deal with both of those guys. The other thing that Pittsburgh now has, I know there's no Cam Hayward in the middle who's you know been a great Pro Bowl, all-pro defensive lineman the last 10 years in this league. They've got a couple of young defensive tackles, uh, particularly one in Keanu Benson, who looked really good against San Francisco. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's 310 pounds, uh, JT, who um, he can do a standing backflip. You know, I know Eddie can, I can't, you can't, <laughs> and he can at 310 pounds. So they've got... You know, they got a front seven that's going to make it hard to run the football. And so so that's going to be interesting. I do think you could take advantage of the Steelers secondary. And we don't know if Mike Minka Fitzpatrick is going to play. Um, reports this morning are a chest injury. Mm-hmm. And he was in the hospital last night getting examined for a chest injury. That's a big deal, right? That's a Pro Bowl, all-pro safety yeah, who had is. an interception against the Raiders in December last year on Christmas Eve. So, so that would be a big injury if Pittsburgh does not have him. Um, so... Play calling, yes. Creativity, yes. Will Jacoby Myers be healthy enough to play? We don't know. Um, they get Michael Mayer involved. And if not, if Michael Mayer is not, I think the Austin Hooper part of this, JT, is interesting too because, I, you know, Austin Hooper is a guy who has caught 70 passes in this league. I know it was four years ago, um, but he is a guy who's had a ton of success and, and, and it earned him big contract in Cleveland because he is a great pass-catching tight end. That, you know, you think historically with Josh McDaniels, the tight end has been so important. So, you know, maybe maybe he's a guy that they figure out a way to get the football to. There's enough weapons on the yeah. team. they got to figure out how to get him the football. You know, Jason, I know it feels like a lifetime ago the last time we were at Allegiant Stadium for the yeah. preseason opener. But, yes, we are back oh. at that beautiful stadium right off the it strip was. there. I know. It's been so long. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think this is one of those games, Jason, where it, I know it sounds crazy to talk about the home opener week three. But that place is going to be rocking. The Raider Nation is going to be ready to do their thing, to bring the heat, to bring the energy. And to me, coming off of a game like the Raiders had on Sunday, this is one of those games the Raiders have to win the first 15 minutes. You have to be going into the second quarter. you got to be looking at a 10-3, to a 7 nothing. The Raiders got to deliver that first strike against the Steelers on, on Sunday, especially, you know, loud, prime time. That place is going to be jumping. Like, Jason, how important do you think those first couple drives are going to be for the Silver and Black Sunday night? have said the same thing but the reality is, is we've seen the Raiders score touchdowns on the opening drive both games and I think the stat is and I got to go back I know I know our great PR department put this out after the Buffalo game as they were you know putting out all the notes and nuggets I think we've scored points on the opening drive in seven straight games now not always touchdowns but I believe it's seven straight games that we have scored uh, that the Raiders have scored points on the opening drive that's impressive that's a big number and I think it might be the longest in the league which goes back to our conversation about how good the game plans are going into the game that Josh McDaniels and his staff have, have put together. Um, yes, those opening drives, the opening quarter is massive. I think we all realize that. But um, the Broncos game is because of how well they played in the second half. You know, the, the conversation all training camp and offseason was about finishing. You know, we were all together watching practice in July and August, and the Raiders were doing conditioning drills at the end of practice because they wanted to finish. It's what they didn't do last year. And so, yeah, there's no question that the beginning of the game is important. Can they jump on the Steelers? Can they make it hard for Kenny Pickett? All of that would be great. But we've seen them do that now in back-to-back weeks. 
What do they do in the second quarter? What are they, and more than that, I would add this. Before halftime. Last year, and, and, I, and I harped on this as the season went on to the end. Last year, in all those games where those double-digit leads were blown, the Raiders gave up points almost in every single one of them at the end of the second quarter and to start the third quarter. Yeah, it's a good point. Kansas City, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, and I think there's probably more. Saw that in the first two games. Russell Wilson threw a touchdown pass with 12 seconds before halftime. Josh Allen threw a touchdown pass with 18 seconds before halftime. That can't keep happening as they go into the locker room. That has to change, too. Jason, we'll see you in Vegas. It's a big, big weekend out here. A lot's Man, going on. Wait. Underwood, what are we doing? What do you say? Harry Underwood. Is that is that the, I, what's the I play am, Saturday I am, night? I, you know, I know all the secrets. <laughs> I will not. I will not drop the secrets on Tuesday. I, I like having all these roles with the team. I will not drop those secrets on Tuesday. Uh, before the pregame show, possibly, but I, I get permission. Good yeah. to see you, buddy. Safe travels. Guys, there. All right, Jason Horowitz. You made some good points about that. One thing you said at the end. Very important, great comment about giving up that late touchdown. The double dip. And then the double dip coming back where they get the ball, they defer, and they have it to start off the third quarter. Very important that the Raiders clean that up because, again, it's been the strength of Josh McDaniels before he came here. The Patriots feasted on that. Brady scoring, getting some points, getting the ball, and then scoring again and putting games away. Raiders aren't going to put anybody away at the level of the Super Bowl Patriots in their prime. But I think we got to win that battle with the math and the clock at the end of the f- first half. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of it comes back to time of possession as yeah. well, right, JT? And, and I think that when we go, we look ahead to Sunday. And with all due respect to Kenny Pickett, I, I mean, I think if you if the Raiders can win that first 15 minutes, right, I think there's a difference between a Kenny Pickett-led mm-hmm. offense and a Josh Allen-led offense. You better believe so it. So I, I believe that Josh <laughs> Allen and his and his pals are a little more equipped to come back from a 10-touchdown, uh, you know, 10-point or two-touchdown deficit than maybe the Steelers are at this point. So so to me, I, I know that Jason brought up a great point about the half, about, hey, the Raiders have consistently started well. Well, to come away, to come back home, and to leave with the W, I think that first 15 minutes is going to be incredibly important for I agree them. with you 100%. It's a massive game. Massive game. I don't say must win ever early in a season. This is a massive game. When we come back, we'll look at the AFC West. Well, the Raiders are in a really good spot coming into their home opener as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. Appreciate you coming back to Raiders Roundtable with Eddie Pascal. I'm JT. Thanks again to the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz. Let's jump into the AFC West. So glass is half full. It's tough, you know, lose a game the way the Raiders lost in Buffalo. You take a Monday or a Tuesday. I do Sunday nights. It takes, by the time it gets to Tuesday, I've been talking about the loss for a couple of days. Now we're ready to move on to seeing what the Raiders can do in the division here. We start with Jacksonville. This was Jacksonville's home opener. They didn't score a touchdown. They have as good a weapons as any team in the AFC with Ridley, Zay, who played here mm-hmm. before. They got good play at the end, and they didn't score a touchdown. Chris Jones came back for Kansas City along with Travis Kelsey, and their young draft and their defensive players are really good, Eddie. They needed that win. Yeah, they sure did. But it's funny, JT, when you look at it, if you said, hey, you're going to hold the Chiefs to 17 points, yeah. you probably like your chances, especially in a mm-hmm. home opener. But, I mean, credit to Andy Reid. Uh, and it feels like the Chiefs kind of do this every year where they're, they're a slow locomotive starting a little bit, right? Right? You know, they don't come out and they're not putting up the 35, 40 points on, on the regular early in the season. But, hey, you and I both know by the time November, December rolls around, this is going to be a tough team to, to handle. Yeah, Chris Jones didn't make a lot of extra money by holding mm-hmm. out. He didn't. 
but he was smart to do it because clearly Kansas City and saw they what him. they needed, and they wouldn't have won, they would not have won this game without Chris Jones. I can guarantee you that. And Kansas City is off and running here. So Kansas City beats Jacksonville. They're one and one, and tied with the silver and black on top of the AFC West as we go around the league. And you know some of the other teams that struggled. The Chargers, wow. 0-2 for the Chargers. They got Minnesota coming up before they play us. And I don't think they're going to win that Minnesota game. I'm just telling you, Minnesota won 13 games last year. They're 0-2. So that's going to be a beast of a game. But the Titans, Titans are well coached with Mike Vrabel. Just like Pete Carroll had them ready to win in Detroit. You know, emotional games. Mike Tomlin with the Steelers against Cleveland. Vrabel had this team ready to go. The Chargers could have knocked them out with punches early in the game. They weren't able to do that. You know, it's so funny. I forget. I apologize because I'm not going to remember who exactly said it. But it was someone uh, in sports media and said, doesn't it feel like the Chargers play the same game every every single week? Mm -hmm. Every single week they play the same game. And it really comes down to that two minutes. Are they going to score or are they going to not score? Are they going to let a touchdown in or not? Because they are always playing these crazy high-flying games. And, you know, it it is interesting where you look at what this Chargers team has done historically uh, and now again in 2023. I mean, you, you never want to say, hey, this is the year they're going to figure it out because obviously we hope that they don't. But goodness, JT, it feels like they do the same thing year after year yeah. after year. We went into Tennessee last year. I was on that trip and we were all in two. We needed something to go and had a chance to win that game and didn't. And Tennessee, they're getting a new stadium, by the way, in a couple of years here. That's a tough place to play. And Mike Vrabel reminds me a lot of Mike Tomlin. Yeah. We're going to talk about he'll have his team emotionally ready. They're physical coaches here. And for the Chargers to lose that game, it was a big save for Ryan Tannehill because they got two backup quarterbacks there ready to go, ready to go. And Tannehill had to win that game, and he was able to do it. So for the Chargers, Chargers, we're looking around here in the Raider Nation pretty upset about a loss in Buffalo. Charger fans are losing their minds because they, lo- they if they go 0-3 before we go out there, Oof. coach there, L.A., number two media market, radio, television, the Wolves are at the door there. I expect them to bounce back at some point. They're good. And that LA game, there's going to be a lot of silver and black yeah. in the stands, as there always are. You better believe it. And then, you know, finally we'll take a look at Denver. And Ooh. wow, Denver, <laughs> they were awful early. Uh, Sean Payton's even talking about putting a wristband on Russell Wilson because of the plays, not getting plays in and out fast enough. Sean Payton said he's not used to burning timeouts in the first half. That was a message to me that Russell Wilson has got to get going. I thought they came out and looked okay at times in that game, but Russell Wilson has a problem sustaining momentum with this team. I said before the season started, we're seeing Mims Jr. and Jerry Judy's been banged up. They don't have the weapons that the Raiders have. They don't. They have Russell Wilson, who was on pace to be a Hall of Famer. Their defense is what really letting down Denver, Eddie. They got a good secondary. We saw it. But they didn't play well against the commanders who deserved that win. Yeah, I mean, to me, JT, the Broncos are just, it's the curious case of the Denver Broncos, right? I mean, you look, and, and I think all of us at some point kind of have to reset our expectations of Russell a little bit, myself included. And you and I have talked about this, that, you know, just as a football player, I'm a big fan of what the guy does. Yeah, he's, an, he's electric. He's a lot of fun to watch. But at some point, do we say... Was that the old Russ? Was that the Russ of years past? Like, look I, like yeah, that. I mean, we I feel like we do kind of have to as a uh, NFL fan base maybe reset our expectations for what he is. But I mean, this to me, I mean, we're looking at the hail mary right here. I mean, you have all the momentum in the world. You have you mount, uh, you know, you mount the comeback. You're able to. You're having a chance to go uh, go for the two point conversion and win the game. Ultimately, you don't. But man, uh, you don't want to say, it, but just finding ways ways to lose games now. I was surprised on that two point conversion. They didn't sprint him outside the pocket. Yeah, get excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he could have had a run option to do that because he likes to do that he wasn't able to do it so as we look at the standings here the Raiders are on top of the 
AFC West, and they'll stay on top if they're able to beat Pittsburgh coming up here. So one and one for both the Raiders in Kansas City. The Chargers in Denver are both 0-2. The Chargers are at Minnesota. Denver's at Miami. They're not winning that game. I'm not talking point spreads. I'm just talking straight up. They're not winning that game. Miami is a beast. They look good. Miami looks really good here. So what's at stake for the Raiders as we wrap this up with Pittsburgh? I think an opportunity, the greatest stage in football used to be Monday night football. Now it's Sunday night football. We get a home opener. We have our fans ready to go. It's been a long time, as you pointed out, Eddie, a long time since the tailgates that matter happen. It's been a long offseason. When you don't make the playoffs, the offseason is long. This is a crucial game for the Raiders going into L.A. Green Bay are two games. Our first two home games are nationally televised yeah. games, Sunday and Monday. And then the Patriots are 0-2. And in week six, they could be 2-4. and four. They could be off to a slow start. This is the window as we're looking at the schedule here for the Raiders to get right. I'm not saying they're going to win all of them because they didn't play well against Buffalo. But excuses die, the record stands. These four games give the Raiders an opportunity to win three out of four, worst-case scenario, two out of two. Let's keep this thing going. But it's got to start with a win against Pittsburgh for those other games to matter as much. You know, I know it sounds like a broken record today, JT, but that first 15 minutes, mm-hmm. that's where my eyes are going to be. Win that first quarter. Get the run game going. I talked about it earlier. I am a firm believer in Josh. I am a mm-hmm. firm believer in this offensive line. It is going to click at some point, whether it's next week, two weeks from now, four weeks from now. It is going to click. Now, I think all of us would feel a lot better sitting here next Tuesday if Josh and the offensive line have that moment, if we see it, if we say, okay, there's the balance that we've grown so accustomed to seeing. But yeah, you're, to your point, this is the window, and it has to start on Sunday night. Well, you summed it up. They have to win the game, and they have to play a good game to win the game. You're mm-hmm. not going to be able to muck through this game no. and probably win it. You're going to have to deserve it and go out and fight. I've been talking about this rivalry all week on Raider Nation Radio. Eddie's doing it also upon further review and his work here. This is big. I care about the rivalries, the history of the Davis family and the Rooney family. Franco Harris died last year the day before Christmas Eve. Phil Villapiano comes on my show. Fred Bolitnikoff. These guys, this is their life. This is their life. This organization cares about every game. Games against the Steelers matter more. And we get them at home on Sunday. Raider Nation, we appreciate you watching. We'll see you out there at the game. We want you to come back week after week on Raiders Roundtable. For Eddie Pascal, Jason Horowitz, I'm JT. We'll see you at Allegiant Stadium.